Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we're talking all about content and copywriting for your website and blog with Krista Gonzalez. Krista is a former fitness trainer and holistic nutritionist turned copywriter and branding strategist for health practitioners and wellness entrepreneurs. While Krista enjoyed her combined 10 years as a fitness trainer, boot camp company owner, and women's health and nutrition expert, She's now incredibly passionate about helping other health pros to juice up their online businesses with her copywriting and branding resources through her website and wellness-based focus blog, Making Lemonade. So in today's episode, we're really digging into what's the difference between content writing and copywriting. You might have heard these words before, and we're really going to break it down for you so that you understand. We're also going to start talking about what blogging is and if you need to be blogging, um, if it's important to have one these days, and then where to even start with blogging. How do we choose what to write on and what should we really publish? You know, where should we spend our energy and what do our clients really want to hear from us? The next thing we start talking about is website and we dig into what pages are important to have on there, um, what should be included, what does a call to action mean and why is it important to have one? And then we talk about where to start with writing your own copy. You know, if you feel like you're not a writer and you get overwhelmed with thinking about how to put pen to paper or how to start typing away on your next blog post or on your website or anything written, um, where do you really start with that? So in today's podcast episode, we get really clear on all of this. Krista brings um, a ton of resources for you and she's really a pro when it comes to this stuff. So I'm really excited, excited to have her on the podcast for you guys. Hey, Krista, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's been a great opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig into the topic of um, content writing and copywriting and your website and blogging, because I know that this is material that um, so many people want answers about and they want to know more about, you know, how do I approach writing? And I think for a lot of us, it doesn't feel super natural. (laughs) And I know you're going to talk to that a lot today. So um, thanks for being here and bringing this content to us. Absolutely. Really, really looking forward to it because like you said, I think it's something that uh, needs some differentiation and especially for the new health, wellness or nutrition business owner. uh, It's a lot of information to take in. It's a lot to learn. And uh, that's where I'm hoping that my own experiences and uh, what I do uh, in this current business is going to be helpful to, to pass some tips along. Yeah. So why don't we get started then and just dig right into um, a little bit about you and your background. I know you started as a nutritionist and you now currently don't do that anymore. So I'd love to kind of hear about like what that transition was like for you. You bet. So why I'm not a nutritionist anymore. How about I I back that up to when I was. um, I started off in a women's only gym and I was their in-house nutritionist. So that was my first real opportunity as a nutrition 
professional to work exclusively with women. So then that really shifted into uh, niching down, as it were, to uh, women's health and more specifically hormones. And that was because I myself was having some hormone issues. And so it became uh, a real focus and passion for me to help other women through their own hormonal chaos and um, and help them to, to find solutions to the issues that they were having. So that really transitioned into what I'm currently doing, which is um, copywriting, brand strategy, and business mentoring for other health, wellness, and nutrition professionals. And it all came to me one day when I had a client who was at the women's gym that I used to work at. And she was a nutrition student just getting ready to start her own business. And once we had finished her nutrition consultation, she said, okay, can we just sort of talk business for a minute? Because I really don't have the first clue as to start this business. And it literally was born in that moment. I became so enthralled to kind of shift after so many years of talking about nothing but nutrition and women's health and a lot about hormones, um, that I was I became really fired up to to talk to this gal about uh, business and how to get started. And I shared I, I was I was really really uh, I guess open and and willing to share my own business journey, and uh, that's that's how it started. So at wow. the time. Um, I was already writing for my own women's health blog, which was called Making Lemonade. And so the the branding just stuck. It was it was really cute and and I grew really attached to it. And I really felt like my audience was was resonating with it. So uh, that's how I'm now making lemonade with Krista Gonsalves and how I've fully transitioned wow, from awesome. It sounds yeah. like a similar story to mine where it's like you didn't necessarily intend to do what you're doing now. But that's it, right. Like, that's right. Worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like sometimes those little things where that little shift, right? Like somebody comes in, they ask you a question and it's like a light bulb goes off sometimes. Yeah. And like that spirit or that energy comes up and you're like, wow, I didn't even know I was interested in this. And then the path, you just go down whatever path it's taking you on. So um, I'm so glad that you're on the path you're on now because what you offer and what you do is so incredible. And I know so many nutritionists and practitioners get so stuck on the writing part yes. of the business and they just want to come up with the ideas and they want to, you know, help people, you know, that's really the reason we get into this. And then when it comes to the business side and the marketing and the writing, they get overwhelmed and they get stuck. And I know that's how I used to feel. Um, and maybe you can relate. Well, maybe you can't relate because you were always a writer, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure there was like, lots of things in your business that felt like stumbling blocks that maybe stopped you from moving forward as well. Oh, my goodness. Um, just take out the writing and it was everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was uh, the other reason is when I, I, again, when I was talking to this gal, and like you say, it was a light bulb moment for me, because at that point, I had already been running uh, specifically my nutrition business for nearly five years. And then previous to that, it was five years with a fitness business. So to say I had made every mistake in the book and it felt like learning a new language, being a business owner and an entrepreneur, uh, it, it quite literally is an entirely new skill set. And so it was like having um, a job on top of a job to do. And mm. I 
you know, through that transition from being a nutrition professional and running a nutrition consulting practice, uh, very similar to yourself and your story, Stephanie, um, I, I just didn't want brand new health and nutrition practitioners going into business for themselves to make quite literally every single mistake that I did. I, I really hoped to, to help them and guide them, carve out a path that would be more efficient and uh, maybe a little less painful <laughs> along the way. So that has become my mission. And, and I like to primarily do that through the writing because the writing is something I've, I've always really loved uh, ever since I was little. And uh, just making up stories here and there from the time that I could print my own name. And uh, lo and behold, I could make, uh, a, you know, carve that into my professional life. So it's been just... Pulling all of my my passions together into one has been so rewarding for me. Yeah, you're definitely um, doing the work that you've been meant to do, right? Your whole life has led you to this. So I, I do believe so. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah, no, for sure. I can completely relate to that. So um, why don't we just start digging into the content for today, um, talking about, you know, what is content writing and what is copywriting and these might be words that some of you listening might not have heard before or maybe have heard but don't fully understand so why don't you just explain to everyone what this really means and maybe the difference between what is content writing and what is copywriting uh you bet and i do think that people just lump both of those words into the same category they're used synonymously and i know they do sound quite similar uh, but there are actually a number of major differences between the two. So between content writing and copy writing. Um, the one that sticks out the most in my mind is the purpose of the words that you're writing. So essentially, it's about the effect that you want your words to have on your readers and your target audience. And by target audience, I do mean that you are... Uh, speaking to or trying to uh, relate to and resonate with an ideal client, and I can I can go through more of what that that term means in a little bit. Um, while it's true that you know a content writer and a copywriter both write content, only one is writing it for the sole purpose of selling or at least for conversions. And before you conjure up this kind of icky image of a salesperson, it's meaning that you're getting your, your potential or your prospective client or buyer to move to another level. So whether that's from downloading a free resource that, that you've offered and moving them to uh, getting a paid resource, or whether it's moving them from your free discovery call to your paid program or your paid service. So that is the point of copywriting. Um, content writing can be a little more generalized as just creating a wide variety of content using your written words. So this could be things like very long form referenced articles, very, you know, sciencey complex uh, articles to very short uh, storytelling like blog posts and both of these are going to be using specific keywords or other elements of SEO that's search engine optimization I'm definitely going to just touch on that very briefly later in the chat because I know it's you don't even like hearing that term because it can be overwhelming just to hear it um 
content writers also tend to focus on evergreen content. I'm sure you've heard that term before, but these are words that have sticking power and they don't have some best before date on them. These are pieces that will be relevant long after you've written them. And they may only require like a minimal amount of updating, if, if any at all, in order to still be considered like current and of value to your audience. So something that you wrote two years ago still has some sticking power and it's still relevant and of value to your audience today. Uh, copy writing, on the other hand, is for the purpose of selling. And I've even heard them being dubbed as the used car salesperson in print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... You know, that's a pretty old school of way of looking at a copywriter, but it does kind of make for a funny job title, I suppose. Um, So essentially, a copywriter uh, would be, or copywriting is used as um, an advertising vehicle. I just realized I made a little pun there. Um, so (laughs) So typically using shorter form copy, And you would have a more prominent focus on like attention grabbing headlines and taglines and almost feeling a little clickbaity if, and I really hate using that term as well, but, but that's the essence of copywriting. Uh, And I really noticed that this new trend in copywriting is something that has actually been present for content writers for quite some time is the use of storytelling and even humor to persuade uh, a reader, a, you know, a potential client or a potential buyer to think a certain way about something, um, that being your, you know, product or your service, uh, whatever program you might be launching, but effectively evoking a certain emotion in the audience. It's not just about all of these, uh, you know, splashy, um, commonly used sales words or, or marketing language and lingo, you're actually bringing in the, the element of storytelling and something that even feels a little, um, you know, humorous or, or entertaining uh, as a means to, um, well, sell your thing, sell yourself, sell your thing. So those being the differences between content writing and copywriting, um, the similarity between them is that they are integral to one another, you know, like two sides of the same coin. And like, think the, think of them acting as teammates, these two types of writing. So I actually consider myself both a content writer and a copywriter because I do find that these two crafts overlap so much in my kind of work. Uh, and it, it, but it really is easier just to use the term copywriter as part of my job title because I, I think that's the one that's more well known or that people have heard of. They they still might not know what it quite means. Um, well, they do now because now I've just described it. But uh, that that's why I constantly use that term instead of both content writer uh, and copywriter. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I like the way you broke it down there. It's thinking about maybe like. How are you, what, like you said, the vehicle of selling could be Mm -hmm. the copywriting, but then the vehicle of um, educating and inspiring and motivating and like um, leading somebody to the sale Mm -hmm. is the content writing. Is that, am I getting it right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then I'm finding that there's a trend now coming in where people 
are pulling the same elements as they would have been doing in their content, say in their blog posts where they told, you know, maybe a, a personal story about themselves, their own experiences brought in something to do with their family to make a point or to educate the reader. Um, they're pulling in some of those elements into their copywriting, say for the example on uh, a landing page used to get you to opt into something, or it's a longer form sales page, this being um, the real crux of, of copywriting and what most people think of as copywriting. And I'm seeing those elements now making their way into people's um, copywriting these days. And I, I think it's smart because we're being absolutely bombarded with with information and with sales pitches and we want to feel like we're being noticed and our needs are being addressed and this is um yeah a new trend that I'm I'm liking mm-hmm. in in uh, people's yeah. copywriting yeah i really am seeing the storytelling being a huge element Um, Like you say, in both content and copywriting, I try my best to utilize story because um, number one, I have so many, (laughs) I like like sharing the stories, but I do find that's when I get the most engagement and people saying like, wow, that sounds like my experience or it sounds like something I've been through or that's so relatable. And it's really, instead of tapping into the like, I guess, common sense of someone like buy this program because it gives you this, this and that. It really just taps into the emotional side, which is really what people, why people buy. They buy because the emotional connection. Precisely. Yep. Yeah. You nailed it. That's exactly it. So I know I hadn't planned on necessarily asking you this, so I'm sorry to put you a bit on the spot here, but I would love it if you could just give like maybe one or two tips on someone that's sitting down to write copy right now or to write content what would you like recommend that they do as like one or two strategies for approaching how to do this mm, absolutely um so there's there's a few things um we, we were talking about this earlier before we got started and I said that the number one thing the number one reason why I get hired is out of people's um fear of writing. They, they have an absolute fear of writing for themselves, but I truly believe that everyone can write. I mean, that's a bold statement, but I, I think everyone has the ability to do it. It may not come as naturally to you as I feel like it does for someone like myself, but it's possible. And I know it sounds funny that you know somebody could have fear about writing because I personally enjoy it so much, but for um, people who uh, want to feel more empowered and motivated to do your own web writing, which I'm going to be your biggest fan. The first thing you need to do is to work through your comparisonitis or your imposter syndrome. And this, this it really is the major driver of fear as it relates to your own writing, because you think you're not a good enough writer or what you have to say isn't interesting or that you're not knowledgeable enough or that your work will be rejected, or that all the topics you've come up with have written about a hundred times, so why bother writing one more time about it? Um, Give yourself permission to write. You are knowledgeable enough. Your backstory is interesting. Everyone's got stories, and they are interesting. Don't be fearful of that. 
and what you have to say is important. So just to come from the the standpoint, the the you know, stand on the platform with your authentic, genuine self. And if your words don't resonate with certain people at the end of the day, those aren't your people. That mm-hmm. that's just that's just period. Um, so I'm often told that I write like I speak. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, that's how it comes out. That's my style. And so when I'm interacting with people in other ways, other than through my writing, they know they've come across the real deal. That's it. Either you get me and, and um, you know, you resonate with what I've got to share with you or you don't. And I'm totally okay with that. And in fact, I would prefer if I actually repelled some people because they wouldn't have been receptive to joining my community and what we're all about. So they're certainly not going to become a client or a paying customer of mine if they don't want to become part of my community. So again, those aren't my people. I'm okay. And I've learned to be okay with that. And I really want to encourage people to learn to be okay with that. Um, so accepting imperfection is is going to be a big one. And that it really has to be at the, the crux of your your writing. And so no one piece of your content that you put out there is ever going to be perfect. Just get started, then get finished and get it out there. Um, I love that. uh, Yeah. So important. We did talk about that a little bit before we jumped on to record was the idea of like we, a lot of us can get in that thinking brain, strategizing, analyzing, researching, Mm -hmm. trying to make things perfect. And we don't actually do the thing. (laughs) You know, we spend so much time in the thinking energy and not in the doing or creative energy. And it sounds like to me, you're saying like, kind of like shut off the thinking a little bit yeah. and just do the creative work, like let it flow through, do yes. um, write it like you would say it. It should be feel more natural and it shouldn't feel like you're wanting to throw your laptop across the room or bang your head <laughs> on the table because it should sound like you're talking to a friend or you're conversing in a way that's natural to you. That's exactly it. And you know, it's super funny. I used to have this terrible habit in my writing process that I called super tinkering. I would hang on to a blog post, like, for example, if that's the piece that I was writing that day, my own blog post, um, I'd hang on to it for days, sometimes weeks, I would go back and tinker with it again and again and again and again, what should have taken me 30 minutes to crank out and just publish that thing and get it out there would take me, it's, it's a bit disturbing to think of how many hours would have, uh, you know, ended up being put into it never feeling totally satisfied. And so then hitting the publish button became so terrifying because it just never felt quite right. And, you know, feeling like it was worthy of being out there for people to read and to consume and to feel something from, which again, that should be the intention. So after getting out completely burnt out on this habit, uh, didn't serve me, obviously didn't serve my audience, wasn't going to get me anywhere in my business in terms of, of, pushing the content out there it's just so at the end of the day let go of that intense perfectionism and yeah that's if there's anything that I can come away from my own um, writing habits it is going to be let go of that perfectionism just get started and get it out there and part of doing that was finding like routines and rituals that allow you to just get started. So for me, that's a a morning ritual or a routine that really sets the tone for my content creation time. I like to get up really, really early in the day. 
And that's when I find is kind of my magic time. My creative juices are really flowing. Uh, that might look like something different for, for somebody else. Um, but find that time when you can be, you know, undisturbed, your, your family's not around you and, and having their needs needing to be met. Uh, set that time for yourself. And so for me, scheduling in the writing time, like it's any other business task. So that's kind of like the number one, (laughs) you know, and so it's just get started. Yeah. I like can't agree more. And mm-hmm. I feel like you have, there were so many gems in that. And I wanted to say, oh yeah, and uh, everything you said, because I had something <laughs> that it really sparked in me. But I think really for me, what I'm coming away with, with what you're saying is like, you need to be, and this is a little bit off topic of what we're currently <laughs> talking about, but in really in a sense, like you need to have, you need to feel really well and be healthy and mentally healthy and taking care of yourself and be mm-hmm. in the best place possible, you know, as much as you can be and treating yourself and filling your cup and all of those things Mm -hmm. so that when it comes to your business and you sitting down, it's basically like you sit down, you kind of remove yourself from the situation and you just let things flow that are going to ultimately benefit your client. So you, Mm -hmm. you show up as the best part of you and then you just have to like, you you have to let go of the ego, the perfectionism, mm-hmm. any self-doubt, any fears and like kind of remove yourself. That's what I mean by that is like, take that out of it and just serve and just be there for what, what somebody needs to hear at that moment. And it might not be perfect. Like, frankly, it probably won't be perfect, but the only way that you get better is by doing. And so many of us wait until we're perfect. Like you said that, like, thing that should have taken you 30 minutes took you I'm just gonna fill in a number here 12 hours who knows oh at, oh, at least sometimes at least yeah we sit on these things for so long that ultimately should take us a little bit of time but it's because we're waiting for it to be perfect and then we stress out and we put so much expectation on ourselves. and then how can we ever reach that bar of perfection we we basically set ourselves up for failure Oh my goodness. If if you could see my hands up in the air right now saying, yes, yes, that's you. Every, every point you just made is, uh, is exactly it. Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, I, I really like that you brought this up because if again, like the idea of writing and we can get everybody inspired to do it, but again, if we're not, again, giving, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes to the mindset around, you know, how, good do I feel how capable am I do I have anything important to say why will people listen to me like you know there's a physical writing aspect but there's the mindset stuff that could take right over so I'm glad that we touched on that a little bit Mm -hmm. indeed yeah I'm somebody who has and I make no bones about it it's it's something there's there's no point in hiding it because of the kind of work that I do and and the kind of impact that I'm really hoping to make in this community is that I have struggled I've had four businesses in the wellness industry. This is my fourth. And I have struggled each and every time with this comparisonitis or the imposter syndrome. And uh, it's it's something that, sure, I could I could still be struggling to to some degree with it when I go to launch a new product or or press publish on a blog post. You you suddenly have this little sneaking doubt come in there. But I think um uh you know, health entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs, I, I do think there's a lot of pressure out there um, to be perfect. 
to be this ideal vision of the strong female entrepreneur who can do it all herself and and uh, you know run a household at the same time and and uh, then you know run off to the <laughs> to the coffee shop with her her uh, her friends and and just literally do it all and do it all with this gorgeous hairdo. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that, that that's, that's bullshit. So, uh, and so let's talk real about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I'll have to have you on again and we'll just like, have a chat. <laughs> we can listen that. to a ramble about these things. <laughs> okay. So let's get back to the idea of like, writing and like Mm -hmm. how we're going to start approaching this and Mm -hmm. I guess like a big question I get from a lot like almost every single one of my clients when I work one-on-one is um you know do I have to have a blog and Mm -hmm. um, why should I have a blog why shouldn't I and like is blogging dead is it is it alive (laughs) is it thriving you know what would you what do you think what's your thought on that well so uh kind of continuing on from how we broke down content writing and then the copywriting. So blogging fitting into that, is it really important? Like I, I've heard, I, I think it was even the, the topic of um, one of my favorite writers uh, blog post the other day is that, that was the title blogging is dead. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I've got to read this. And uh, it was interesting how this, this author broke it all down and the reasons why you should still have a blog. Um, so first, it, it's considered content writing, so for those obvious reasons, but I find it's the way that there is the crossover between the two types of writing, is that in your blog posts, um, when you're writing them for business specifically, they should always have a CTA. So this is your call to action. It's exactly what it sounds like. And I, I'm totally going to go into this a little bit more, but that is copywriting territory, the CTA, because you're literally guiding your reader into some kind of action that you want them to take. So again, you're intending for them to feel a certain way. And they hopefully do feel inclined to take action through your blogging. So an end of a blog post, CTA, call to action, might be something like um, like grab the three hormone balancing recipes that will help tired moms like you beat brain fog. So you can see that you've instructed them, you've strongly suggested that they do something, that they grab it, you've said what it is, for who it is, and why they need it. And that was all accomplished in one short little sentence. And, you know, no real flowery, out there language. Um, it's, it's pretty straight up words that are being used to instruct them to, to do something. So this is an element of blog writing that I find gets missed. And that's why I think blogging is not dead, because if we can just incorporate these little um, key elements into our main content, and for most people, uh, that is going to be writing a regular blog. Um, I do see some shifts happening in the years to come, but I'm I'm definitely of the camp still that you you need a blog for your business, whether your business is offline or whether it's online or you've got some combination of both. Um, 
the reason for doing this is that you want to have a website that provides unique and relevant content that gives your visitors a reason to visit your site first. And so the best way to do that is to have a blog, do it regularly and do it consistently in order to attract your target audience. And of course, that's your ideal client. Um, so I, I had mentioned that that term before, the ideal client. So that simply means envision the, the person um, that you could work with all day long. They are your dream client. If you could clone them, what what are the what are the personality traits? What is their nature? What are you know? Are they male, female? Are they what is their age? What what are their habits? Who is that ideal client? So think about writing um, blog articles regularly and consistently to attract that particular person. So I just thought I would break that down just in case people are going. I don't get what you mean exactly by this ideal client. <laughs> well, I think it's great to bring up because that even really shows that, you know, let's just say you want to work with new moms, you know, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're, they're just looking to lose some weight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, number one, when you're writing a blog post, if you know your ideal client is a new mom and maybe only has 10 minutes or five minutes, you know, in between like nursing the baby and like eating food and running around doing chores, like mm-hmm. the blog post is going to have to be digestible. So you already know that you're not going to write a whole long, you know, 10,000 word, you know, blog (laughs) post that is going to take them hours and hours to, to sort through and read through. So now, you know, like kind of the length and the style and the structure, and then you kind of start to realize the words that you're going to use because something that's going to be really approachable and relatable for a, a, a new mom is going to be different than someone who's maybe in their 60s or 70s that has dementia or a that, mental health issue or something right. like that. So we need to know who the people are so we can gear our writing or target our writing a little bit more to that person. And so they're actually perking up and saying, wow, that sounds like something, you know, that's really relatable to me. Yeah, that's, that's precisely. Um, and it, you're not going to figure that out right off the bat. Of course, you might just start um, throwing blogs out there. And to be honest, when I first started my blog, which was just named Making Lemonade, and of course, that is now the, the name of my business, I was about as random. It was, it was always about health. <laughs> I was so random. It could be 200 words one day and, you know, a couple thousand words the next day. I just thought all I needed to do was write on my favorite health topics, not learn what, <laughs> what topics my audience needed. And in fact, I hadn't even figured out 100% other than just women at that time who my audience was. So once I really started chipping away at those things, and it took some time, it it literally did not happen overnight. It, it happened over the course of months, even years to really nail down and focus on who my audience was, what they needed from me in order to help them with their problem or what can be called their pain points. So once you're, you find yourself able to really zero in on those key things, your blog is going to shift and, and, and shape, and that goes for all of your content. And what I mentioned earlier about, I, I do predict a, a couple of trends to happen in, in the next year or two with 
blogging. Um, and, and I think this is why the idea of blogging is dead is coming up. There is a big shift in the way people are consuming their content. And it's not all about sitting down to read somebody's blog post, no matter what the length or, you know, what context it's in. Uh, I think people are listening to podcasts more or audio blogs. Um, and I think they're watching and, you know, watching video, whether that's live streaming, but a lot of pre-recorded uh, vlogging style uh, content is is being consumed. And so I think we're going to see uh, quite a shift happening around those two different ways to consume blog type content. So, yeah, we'll just we'll just have to see um, how that trend plays out. So um, but for now. I think that uh, other reasons for having a blog besides just needing to attract your your target audience or your ideal client and blogging specifically for your you know health and wellness business is for authority building and amping up your your uh, KLT factor. This is the know, like, and trust factor. That's exactly what it sounds like. You want people to know you. You want them to like you, and then ultimately you want them to trust you so that it does a lot for your KLT factor. Um, it's also for engagement and relationship building with your uh, target audience. Um, it's also for brand building and awareness. Now, you know, we're not going to jump into branding, which I, that's another one I could talk all the live long day about branding as well. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big topic, but again, your, your website and specifically the blog and blog content that you put out there is good for brand building and it's awareness. And, um, it's also good for SEO search engine optimization and then traffic driving specifically to your, your website and what, um, offers you might have there and more about you, um, but the other one that I, I really, really strongly encourage people to do with their content and with their writing, uh, especially if you don't love writing, so you don't want to produce uh, a ton of content, repurpose it. You could take, like, just think about that. You could take one piece of content and make it into so many. <laughs> yeah, I, You got to kind of think outside the box on that one. But you could repurpose one single blog post, whether in whole or in part. Like you could, oh, I could just go on with how many ways you could repurpose a single piece of content or, or a single blog post. And so just consider that, that your one blog article that you wrote on X topic, whatever that might be that is, you know, targeted to your audience, it should never be a one-off piece. So you don't write it and that's it. You never talk about that topic again, or you basically never use that piece of content again, because it can be, you know, use it for snippets in your promotional copy, in your social media posts, expand it, stack your posts and, and create an ebook or, um, or an e-guide, um, lots of different ways. So, so that's, um, yeah, that's what I would say about the the reasons why I think it's still very important and valuable to to have a blog specifically for your business. Yeah, and I love that you uh, touched on repurposing because mm. if you had to create content, like let's just say you were like, okay, I'm going to blog like twice a week in order to, you know, bring new clients in to create content and twice a week and then it's like content after content after content, oh you're going to drive yourself crazy where if you yeah. just repurposed and like you said, maybe you did a little like 
um, Instagram story on it and then you made a post and you use some of that same writing or copy to put on a Facebook post and add some to your newsletter that links to your blog post. Like there's so many different avenues that you could um, share this in. And we can't think that our people are only living in one area. They're only coming to our blog because I don't think that happens unless you have very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like readers that like are super engaged and that yeah. every time you put out content, they're there on the blog reading. <laughs> Just because you write it doesn't mean they will come. <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's actually, what's the, that, um, I, I've just heard, you know, it's a, a rough approximation. You spend 20% of your time writing the piece. You spend 80% of your time probably like promoting it and getting it out there and marketing that piece. So, and, and I think within that is repurposing within the marketing strategy itself to try and get that piece of content out there is repurposing it. And like, look at, for example, a a mega brand uh, like Dr. Josh Axe Mm -hmm. and who publishes multiple articles multiple times a day. Don't think that he's sitting there writing all that <laughs> stuff himself. And it is an entire team of content writers, a massive team that he's got at this point. And because the brand got so big, um, you know, that's how he, he his, his brand is able to push out so much content. Uh, so, so don't think that you need to strive for and, you know, walk in those kind of shoes, you have uh, a different kind of business going on. So yeah, exactly. And I like that you said, like, way earlier in this conversation that it's like, we have two, we have like a job on top of a job, right? Mm -hmm. Nutritionist Mm -hmm. job, business owner job. So it's like, how can we make the business owner as automated and easy, or easeful as possible? Mm -hmm. Do the real thing that we want to be doing. Yeah, which is, you know, even having that blog there, it's generating potential clients when you don't have the time to be on the phone or engaging with people. It's that living kind of proof or living, you know, like known trust factor for somebody to read that, feel connected to you and then decide if they want to maybe move on and contact you and work with you further. Yeah. yeah so yeah, for exactly. someone... Yeah, sorry. For someone just starting out with a blog, um, how often should they publish a blog and maybe what topic should they start with? Mm, I, I think people feel that there's there's so many rules and there there is one single answer and there's one single way of doing this. But if you're just getting started or if you know you you haven't even set uh, like pen to digital paper, um, it, kind of going back to to what we talked about that just the tips for writing, the first thing, though, is that you have to have identified specifically who your audience is and what they need from you. Using my own example of just writing so random willy-nilly to whoever, <laughs> um, please don't do what I did when I first started blogging. I, I, Gosh, I, I, I'm glad I can laugh about it now because I would write on any topic that came into my brain and because I just assumed mm-hmm. everyone, every single health seeker out there on the planet was going to be interested in decaf green tea that I happened to be sipping in that moment and I felt compelled to write about. So, <laughs> so you know, sure, it had something to do with natural health and nutrition. Um, I was still a practicing uh, holistic nutritionist at the time, but it was still completely random. And there was virtually no one reading my blog. 
<laughs> so it was my mom, my best friend, maybe a few friends. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we got to start somewhere, right? We, you absolutely do. And and those are usually your first five. And that's good. You have to start with those. But it, it really was when I identified my target audience as the hormonally challenged women who were like 35 to 55 years of age, struggling with the challenges of of raising their school age children while trying to balance their hormones because that was me that I was that person and then I came out the other end and so I had those experiences to personally share and you know to to share from uh like an educational point of view all the research that I had done and you know combined with kind of the storytelling and and the professional um advice and whatnot. So blending those two things, that's when my content really started to get noticed because I was speaking to a specific audience about a specific thing. Um, and I learned to speak a specific language that I really felt that they resonated with. Mm-hmm. Again, it didn't come overnight. It had to evolve. Um, but I really feel that once you identify those things and you begin creating the content with your target audiences, like these pain points, they're, they're key problems in mind. Then you start putting out uh, a, a real decent amount of that for all of those reasons that I gave because it's authority building and, um, you know, you're building that KLT factor. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's literally thousands of different blogging resources out there now. So to try and filter out some of that noise and just get down to the basics and you know those priorities i would just say that those two key things is making sure you have identified at least to some extent who your target audience is and what it is they truly need to know about from you what you know they they need to believe that you have the solution you 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 found um, what is going to help them with their their pain points. So um, uh, and and you know working through the fears of putting out your your um, content, of course, too. Um, but how often? Yeah, I thought there was some, know that. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it every day? Was it is it two times a week? Okay, two times a week. That sounded good. It, that was so difficult for me to keep up with personally. Um, so I don't think there's any magic number for how much or how often you should publish because it all comes down to quality of your content over quantity. There is no magic number. I need to publish this many in a week, in a month, whatever. Um I, I personally was aiming for once or twice a week and that just simply became too much. And now personally, I publish once or twice a month on the first and 15th of the month because um, I feel like that keeps my, my website and my content current. Um, it keeps me on search engines radar and um, that's what I feel comfortable with. So it doesn't stress me out having to keep up with that. So uh, I... I would strongly recommend creating an editorial calendar and choosing a publishing schedule that just makes sense to you and your business. And most importantly, that you can keep up with consistently. So again, I I really strive to make sure my content goes out on the first and the 15th of the month. And you know what? Sometimes it only goes out the first and the first, but for the most part, um, people 
your readers, they're going to come to expect a standard and kind of a schedule from you. They'll, they'll start to expect that. And so as long as you can be consistent and you're putting out really high quality content, then it really doesn't matter how often Mm -hmm. you're publishing. Now you don't want to go and publish and then and nothing for six months Uh, yeah yeah, a little bit more frequent than that so yeah but I think the big thing you're saying here is that it's quality over quantity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah all right so thanks for covering the blogging thing because I know that's something um you know personally and this isn't at all to say no to blogging Uh, but what I say to my clients Mm -hmm. is do whatever you're going to do (laughs) like put the energy into whatever area it is you choose to do and maybe that you're best at so for me speaking like I like speaking I like being Mm -hmm. able to communicate in this way um so doing a podcast for me is what has worked for me absolutely yeah YouTube you know sure I'd like to do that I have a theater background it would be fun and all that but editing the videos no thank you not into that. <laughs> so. it's yeah if it's not in your wheelhouse and if if it makes you feel just plain icky and and it, it doesn't resonate with you personally and you've already identified that it just simply isn't going to resonate with your audience don't do it yeah <laughs> Exactly. Just because everyone else seems to be doing it, you know? Exactly. And that doesn't mean by doing, let's say, if you choose to do YouTube or you choose to do a podcast, you can still repurpose that as a blog post. Exactly. You know, yeah. You can do written material. You can have the media up there. So that's still a way to generate people to your website. Yeah. And on the topic of website, um, what do you think is like one of, you know, the first thing that someone should have up on their website? Like what are the most important pages mm-hmm. or the most important thing that someone needs to have in order to like have someone stay there longer than three seconds? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Um, we are so digitally overwhelmed these days that it, it does, it takes a lot for somebody to be captivated. And so clearly that's going to happen first on your homepage. That's, it's like the front door, like the entryway of your house. Um, you, if nothing else besides maybe your guest bathroom is tidy, you make it your entryway because you answer the door and that's the first view into your home. So uh, the interesting thing about the more modern homepage that I'm finding and, and what I would personally recommend for Um, my fellow health and nutrition professionals is to include certain elements, but with a minimal amount of copy. So copy is just simply the the words that are written on the digital page that that's really what they mean by the copy in this in this sense. Um, So minimal amount of copy, this homepage that just looks like a novel right off the bat, by <laughs> somebody somebody's going to bounce right off of there because it it's almost an insult to their eyes <laughs> you know yeah. vis- visually and then their brain hurts in those first, like you say those first 3 seconds yeah. uh, people are are literally going to make a judgment call you could have the best services you could be the best health professional that is out there um if that is the first thing that they get kind of smacked over the head with they're gone and they're, they're just simply not going to give you that opportunity. And there is certainly no opportunity to build on the KLT, the no like trust mm-hmm. factor. So um, a few of the key elements, keeping in mind minimal amounts of copy. Um, 
because I do think that that's where like nutrition focused websites kind of miss the mark, overwhelming their reader, especially new visitors, gobs of text, cramming everything in what you think they should know about you and their business. Um, so to be a little bit more like concise and effective with your homepage being the front door or the entryway is um, a compelling attention grabbing headline that spells out the benefits of working with you. And so basically your promise to your ideal client, that should be just first thing. It should be, you know, right in their eyeline. Um, then it's, who are you? But this is in a super short, like really snappy, concise sentence, just in as few words as possible, because of course, you're going to get into much more detail elsewhere on your website. I, I Again, I think that's where people kind of make this mistake and miss the mark on their homepage is thinking they need to cram so much into there for fear that people aren't going to go anywhere else. Like if I only get them to read one page, I better make it a good one and put everything humanly possible for them to take in and absorb from my homepage. That's that's a big mistake. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a sec. Um, so besides that, that headline, uh, the who you are, uh, it's who you help or who you serve. That needs to be understood pretty quickly as well. Um, one or two of the pain points that uh, the who you help or who you serve is understanding that you understand and that you've got the problems. Okay, they need to they do need to know that you you're the problem solver and you're the solution holder. Uh, it also needs a call to action. So that's that CTA that I talked about and an opt-in box. Those two should work together because you want to be able to capture people beyond just consuming a little bit of your homepage. You also want to take them from the homepage and convert them, at least convert them to one of your subscribers. Uh, we're not going to go into, um, you know, email list building or or uh, email marketing at this point, but that's just something that needs to have a place on your homepage. It needs to occupy a little bit of real estate. Uh, a testimonial, a very short one, or some people call this social proof of working with you. And also a photo. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. How many times have I gone to uh, like a health coaches or a nutrition professionals website and I don't know what they look like. And I, I can't get a sense of who they are um, because they've kind of missed some of these like key elements on their homepage and there's no photo of them. Like I need to see that there's a real person yeah. behind this business. There's a real honest to goodness, flesh and blood person <laughs> that it that is working, that is the heart of this business. Yeah. I so. think we're so used to like stock photos and yes. people yeah. like um, – you know, hiring someone to write your content and it like mm-hmm. being like, it's like personal, but just like a step away from personal. And I think without the picture, it's like one more step away. If that yeah. makes any sense. It's like, for me, especially if there's no photo and I have to go through all the pages to find a photo, like I'm more than likely will click off the website and go yeah. to another person's. Yeah. Um, because that's personally how I connect with people. I need to like, not, not that I'm, in any judgment of the way that they look, but it's the energy of the no, person. I can exactly tell so it. much about it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, are they my kind of person? Like, you know, trying to figure <laughs> out, and out, like, you know, do I feel connected to that person? And I'm positive that your clients are feeling the same way. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's funny, the the photo that I tend to use the most and the one that you see, as soon as you go to my website, is it's a black and white photo. Um, my hair was so not perfect that day. I, I have very, very curly hair. So it was, uh, as I call it, I had my squirrels out. <laughs> and I've got my mouth wide open laughing because the photographer, my photographer friend, who, who took uh, those photos with me. Uh, she said something I can't even recall at this time. And I literally burst. I think there was actually a, a tiny bit of like drool that came out. <laughs> at the time, she just snapped the photo and it ended up being the one that I've used the most because it's just, it's so me. So people who have come to know me, uh, that's what they've remarked too. I just love that photo. Don't ever stop using it, even though it's, it's, it's getting on in years now, but it's still just it's everything about me and, you know, the brand that I've built. So, um, you know, that's what I, I suggest to other people is just something that really feels like you and people without having met you, they've never spoken to you, you've never had a conversation, they still, they get your vibe. Yeah, you're right. It's right all about that it. Yeah, It's funny, speaking about this, I did a photo shoot. I've done many photo shoots, but I did one in October and it was, I had just gone through a lot of like personal stuff. You know, mm. I had two big losses last year and mm. just wasn't my best year, I'll be honest. And so I did this photo shoot and um, the photographer was amazing. Like it was half an hour. She probably took 80 photos of me. Like I, I got oh. a lot of content, but when I look at the photos, it's not truly my personality. Mm. Um yeah, and it's fine. I'm going into this existential what is it? Existential crisis right now. <laughs> it's, part it's part of the journey though. It's part of the journey. It's the journey. But it is I look at them and they serve a purpose, but you know, mm-hmm. I am excited for when I can, you know, maybe later this year do a photo shoot that truly like captivates my spirit and excitement mm. and come off, you know, again, not to go too much into branding, but comes off more as me, right? And that's I think right. that's so important if you're starting out and you can nail that at the beginning, like, of course, you might not be comfortable in front of the camera, and you don't really know yourself in the business world yet. But if you can just like mm-hmm. truly be you and be with a photographer who makes you feel comfortable, um, that's, that's going to be key. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's it, it would be important to now at the time, I just happened to to have that photographer friend. And didn't it just turn out that uh, I just felt so incredibly comfortable with her. And I think that's very important too. If you don't have a friend or, you know, a family member who's keen behind the camera or has a really great iPhone because, uh, you know, you can still capture some, some great photos that way. Uh, It's to connect with a a photographer that just kind of gets you and, and is able to pull out your best essence. Yeah. Yeah. So that's totally true. Yeah. So um, I think uh, you were asking, you know, besides, uh, what what are these pages mm-hmm. that that somebody wants to make sure that they've put a little bit of energy into because it's it's what you want people to gravitate to and not just click off of in the first three seconds you want to kind of keep them reading uh, it's definitely the home page that's that's the front door but beyond that one and it might even be tied with the home page for where people go to the most and they linger the longest. I think there's statistics around this. I can't pull them up right at the moment, but um, it's going to be that about me page. 
And I don't think there's enough emphasis put on this. Now, I personally like to call it the start here page. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you why in a sec. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the start here page. Because like, okay, really, you see the word start here in your menu, like, you know, picture a menu at the top of somebody's website, that menu bar. That, that's like a CTA right in your menu. Start here. Okay. You just told me to do something. I'm going to go there. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan, I, I have to say. But it, it really um, can replace the, the About Me page. And some people have both for different reasons. But that's just the reason why um, I've personally chosen. I do recommend um, doing your, your Start Here or your About Me page. And it really is all about amping up that KLT factor because okay, your your reader, your visitor, your website visitor, uh, they're looking for what you do, how you do it, and all those things. But what they're really after by visiting your website and by you directing them to this About Me or Start Here page is how, wh- what are they going to get out of it? How are you going to help them? They want to know like what they're going to come away with from this whole transaction right now from connecting with you. Um, so... I'll just break it down real quick. The key to writing a compelling about me page, make it all about them. (laughs) So frame it in such a way that yes, you've shared part of your story and you've highlighted your why, um, but, but that it is going to, at the end of it, they're going to know that they need to work with you. So this is going to include Again, your picture or your headshot. I, I would suggest using something different than you've used on your homepage, but something that might have been done in the same kind of round of, of um, you know, the same photograph session. So it's all in the same uh, vibe and, and, you know, you don't want one that was professionally done and the other one that you kind of just took a quick selfie of. I, I would suggest... Um, doing them kind of in the same in with the same vibes that it all looks uh, you know nice and and continuous so and consistency I just think that's really important uh, here you've addressed their pain points su- such that they know that you understand what they're struggling with and if that means bringing in your own personal story of how you came to understand and how you came to hold the solution make sure that is really evident. Um, It should cover exactly like how your business can help them. So the solutions, and it does have a brief bio, but this isn't the time to do your life story. If if you really want to go into uh, a a, a lengthened out um, health story or however that might look, I would suggest doing like my story page. This isn't what your your about me or start here page should be all about. Could they even do like a like a little snippet and be like a read more, and then it goes to a separate page? Okay, that's yeah, yeah. That would be that would be super appropriate. And I do encourage you to do that. But this is just talking about specifically this about me page. Mm. Uh, For example, uh, one of the very first blog posts that I wrote was detailing my whole adrenal and thyroid uh, hormonal chaos story and how that became the launching point for really niching down in my nutritional consulting practice. So I made that into a blog post. And uh, I believe on my about me page, I have, like you're saying, a a backlink to that. If you're you want to learn more about Krista's health story, 
uh, here it is. And that just gives people that opens up the the gateway and invites them in, you know, further into your world and your why if they they're really interested in, in learning that, because that is another point of connection and uh, way that you're going to relate with your target audience. But that can end up being, I think it was probably a 3000 word blog post. And that didn't belong on my about me page. Um, so you also want to include your, your credentials here, like, you know, the, the highlights of, of your education and, and what you feel most proud of and, and how that's relevant to the work that you're doing. But please, oh, I implore you, please do not do an online resume. Yes. Nobody, nobody wants to look at your resume. They, they're not interviewing you. They're not, uh, you know, they're not, they're not hiring you in the sense that you're, you're sitting down and having this full on, you know, 90 minute um, <laughs> job interview. So you really shouldn't break that down like as if it was a resume. Um, putting in some, some more of this social proof. So another little testimonial snippet from somebody that is either familiar with your work or they've worked directly with you. They've maybe used your service. They've done your program. Um, if you're brand new, obviously, these are a little harder to, to gain. And um, that's where you have to be a little bit more creative. And while I'm not saying to go and ask your mother for a, a raving testimonial of what it might be like to, to work with their child, uh, there are different ways that you can have these like you know words of of gratitude kind of client love or little love notes from from people that you've worked with it's important to have these little pieces dotted throughout your website uh, i'm not a big fan of making one great big testimonial page mm -hmm. uh, i really love to see them uh dotted throughout the website so having a few on the home page a few maybe on this this about me page and um a few on your services page which would be the third most important page on your website. Um, so just to finish off, there should be another CTA, another call to action. Use the opportunity, right? So where do you want them to go from the About Me page? So make sure you've embedded a little call to action there to direct them uh, where you want them to go? What action do you want them to take? Yeah, I, uh, I learned this because they're so compelled at this point. You've really talked mm -hmm. to them and their needs. You've mm -hmm. created the trust. They're ready. They're excited. And then, they're, yeah. then like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but for them to click over to services is more of that, like, they have to take it into their own hands where if there was just a button or a call to action that said, click here to learn more or check out my mm -hmm. services or, you know, let's work together, kind of like a call yeah. to action. They're like, okay, they're going to click it, you know, nine times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, you just cut out for a second there. Oh, that's okay. So the three pages, then the homepage, um, the about me page, and then the services, is there anything in particular they would put on the services page? Yeah, so this services, or I personally call mine work with me. Um, I think it just sounds a little bit friendlier. Again, it, it kind of sounds like a it's a CTA unto it, itself. Hey, let's work together. Work with me. I, I just feel like it's a bit more inviting than straight up services. Uh, that's just a, a personal, um, it wouldn't be a make or break if I came across a service provider's website, uh, like a nutritionist or a, a dietitian, for example. Um, this page, though, the one big mistake I see health professionals making is going right in for the kill. 
book now. That's it. (laughs) It's just a straight up listing of services with their prices and then uh, click to book or, you know, it goes right to their scheduling page. Um, This is another opportunity to, so fully expanding on the benefits of working with you. Um, Maybe a few more testimonials in here, details of how to work with you, and then a list of your services or programs. Because just like you said, you want to make it really easy for someone to take a first step. And so don't make all of these little steps in between of how they're going to go about straight up booking that, uh, for example, um, I would offer a free discovery consultation. And I want to make it as easy as possible for somebody to do that and don't want to give them a whole bunch of links and runarounds. And there's this option and this option and this option and this option. No, I just want to direct them straight to the one option because then we're going to go into the sale from there. So again, you don't want just a great big book here button. It's like you're smacking them overhead over the head with a sale. And then there's virtually nothing else on the page. There, there's a few other opportunities that um, you know should be taken here. And yeah, one thing I see some people do. This is not to call anyone out. Um, <laughs> one thing I see people do is just have a their services page and say, um, email me to find out about my services, and you don't mm-hmm. list them. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I would probably never email someone unless I was yeah. compelled to like, ooh, what is it that they're offering? But that yeah. would lose me right away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will admit that in most cases, um, it is going to be helpful to straight up put your prices right there. I, I am a fan of that because you don't want to go through a whole 20 to 30 minute discovery call and you're kind of doing the dance. And then, okay, here comes that super uncomfortable part of the conversation. How much are your services? How much is your program? And then, boom, game over. Because they came in not knowing and you both kind of did your respective dances around it. When at the end of the day, you know, that that is going to be a major decision uh, maker for for most people who are going to hire you for your services or, or go into your program. So, yeah, I um, agree with yeah. the price thing. I'm totally for putting your prices. It's funny Just be though. transparent. Yeah. Yeah. Be transparent. I mean, as I've like been in the industry longer and I've raised my prices and the price goes up and I get that fear of, you know, the sweaty palms of, you know, <laughs> this is so much higher now. Maybe I should take the price off. I always pull myself back to no, I would want the transparency. So I'll give the transparency. But something I have done is um, because I'm pretty particular about who I work with, I want to make sure it's a good fit. I have an application on my website. So someone Mm -hmm. filled out a few questions. And one of the questions is, would you be ready to invest if we um, determine that we're a good match to work together? And I list the price there. So absolutely. So although like I do have my price on my website, but in the past when I pulled them off, I still had it somewhere that if someone wants to take that next step, they can still see and they can self-identify of like, am I ready, you know, um, to pay this amount of money? You might still coach them there to show them why they might want to pay that much and how much value it's going to bring. But I agree. I think having the prices there is good for Mm -hmm. transparency. 
Well, and like you said, it, like that's a, a, a great weeding out process when you are somebody who is offering perhaps a higher end, what I call like the, uh, the super signature or the Cadillac program. If you're at that point in your business where you've, you've grown it and you're ready to offer something of that nature, depending on what type of practitioner you are, or in your case, Stephanie, you're a, a business mentor and offer that kind of, of coaching program. And you're going to have a, a higher and higher priced program. And maybe you don't want to put that price right there and, and make it part of your, you know, your key marketing elements because it can be detracting. So then you can have that form of sort of weeding out or vetting people like to make sure they are ready to make that commitment, both time wise, um, you know, mental and emotional investment into it. And of course, that financial investment. So I think that's very smart. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I feel like we should probably wrap up because this has been a lot for people to digest. <laughs> it's been a lot. <laughs> a yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's been so great, you know, going over again, like what is content writing versus copywriting? Like, how do you kind of focus on each or how do you get started with them? Um, what about blogging? Is that even something I should be doing? We really, I think, had a compelling reason why um, blogging isn't dead and we should put our energy there. Um, and then talking about the website and how that's a really big vehicle for, you know, converting those people into hopefully, uh, paying clients. So thanks for really, really talking us through kind of like the writing element, the blogging and the website, but just to wrap up, is there, are there any other tips, um, that you want to give for those who are looking to write their own copy? Um, Mm -hmm. I know you said, you know, like kind of get out of the comparisonitis and the mindset stuff but are there any um maybe like tangible like if someone's putting pen to paper right now is there like a few things you might recommend um again I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna circle right back around to just get started um ditching that perfectionism brainstorm all the ideas you possibly can make a con and and no idea is a bad idea don't don't allow that that self-doubt to creep in before you've you've done your little brain dump um make a content creation and publishing schedule that's super important um and I know that all seems very oversimplified but really it's it does come down to just getting started and at the very beginning you don't have any content or copywriting under your belt yet but getting some of your own, just even this blog content going and start by crafting that backstory. That's another really key way of starting to push out your own content. Why not start with telling your own story? So for example, like, um, like I did, it was one of my very first blog posts. It was almost therapeutic Mm -hmm. to get it out there and, tell it in such a way that made sense to me in a way that I, I felt like my my audience was going to resonate with. And it has really become a foundational piece that I refer back to so often in um, other pieces of content that I've written for my own blog and that I've done for other people. So, you know, I'm really big on personal branding and pushing out your unique brand story these days and and really using them as foundational pieces. So for somebody who's just sitting down and thinking, oh my gosh, what do my people even want? Oh my gosh, do I even know who my people are yet? That is a way to really get things kickstarted and get into the right mindset. You used that word earlier and I, I think it's it's so appropriate here. 
um, start getting your own story out there, whether that looks like a health story. For me, it was definitely all coming from my own health journey. This can create so many other uh, content ideas and can be a real launch pad for you. So if you're just sitting down to, to get started on things, I would say that um, that's, that's definitely a way to, to get things kicked off. That is awesome. Those are great tips and very actionable. And I think sometimes we just need the reminder that we're on the right path and that we're doing the right thing and that it's not as hard as we make it out to be in our head mm-hmm. and we can mm-hmm. oversimplify. So in a way, thank you for you know giving everyone that permission and that reminder that like you just have to do the best that you can with what you have right now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So Krista, thank you so much for being here. This was incredible. And um, I say this to a lot of people, but literally, I feel like I could talk with you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have been talking for hours. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like we should wrap up, but thank you so much. Um, I truly appreciate it. I know that everybody got so much value out of today's um, podcast because you just, yeah, you really gave us actionable ways to get started. Um, and I really, really want to say this and I know it's cheesy, but how can people, um, make lemonade with you now? How can we get to know you and how can you, and can you share with us like where you live online? Oh, that's amazing. I that was, that was very cute actually. <laughs> uh, making lemonade with Krista Gonsalves. I can be found at, uh, KristaGonsalves.com. And I am also at Lemonade Health all over social. So Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. That is the handle that you can find me at. And um, I would love to connect with each and every one of you and, um, you know, make some make some new business friends online. Yeah, awesome. And I'll try to link to that as well so they can just click right through and grab that. So thank you so much, Krista. It's been such a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll talk with you again soon. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.